0: Welcome to another episode of the Roseland Podcast. I'm Chloe, your host, and in today's episode, I'm chatting to Sue and Peter Evans about their life in the diplomatic service, and we've got a recipe for chickpea croquettes. If this is the first episode you're listening to, then you can find and listen to the podcast at roselandpodcast.com on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the other podcast apps. And at roselandpodcast.com, you'll also find links to any of the resources that we mention. Many of those living on the Roseland, whether they've lived here since they were born or only in more recent years, have led fascinating lives. And for this episode, my guests Sue and Peter Evans are chatting about their fascinating career. So hello, Sue and Peter.
1: Hello, Chloe.
0: Hi, Chloe. Um you're my you're my first double person interview on the show so that's quite exciting anything could happen um but but you're here to talk about your career in the in the diplomatic service so so i guess how how did you end up doing it and where did you end up
1: well uh when i was about 17 18 years old i was down on holiday in cornwall Uh, Sitting on a beach on the north coast and there was an advertisement in the Telegraph that I was reading and it said travel the world, join the diplomatic service. So I applied. Um, I was due to go to university. um, But three weeks into university, uh, the foreign office offered me a job and I decided to give up my degree and join the foreign office straight, really straight from the age of 18. So I proudly tell my boys that uh, I went to university for three weeks and two of those were freshers weeks.
0: <laughs> it's got a good ratio, isn't it? Two weeks of partying, one week of lectures, get a job.
1: <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was in the office for 37 years um, and I did seven overseas postings ranging from Bangladesh before I met Sue uh, through to Ecuador, which was our last overseas posting. And my last six years in the office, I was HR director for defense intelligence and all the Americas and Caribbean.
0: Oh, just a, a small job then to finish off with.
1: It was a great job. I had to visit all our posts in in um, the Americas and the Caribbean. And uh, it's funny, I always found a problem in the Caribbean in about January time.
0: Oh, yes, yes. the uh, The strategic deployment.
1: Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Well, it suited Peter perfectly
2: because he loves the travelling and everything. So he could do all the travelling, and by that stage, I was quite happy to be at home for a bit. And uh, so I was happy to just wave him off, and uh, and then he could come back with all his stories, and I'd be like, "Yep, that's great." But I've actually been quite happy being back in the UK.
0: <laughs> there must be there must be an awful lot of packing involved. Um... When you're in the in the diplomatic service, both kind of whole house packing and moving between countries, but also the the more short term as well.
2: Well, I think as I've mentioned before, packing did become my forte. I think that's the only thing I could say I might actually have almost a professional qualification in, uh, except of course it's not. Um, yes, we did a lot, not as much maybe as uh, people in um, in the army, for example. But uh, we we I I got very good at packing up houses and also um uh packing cases and can you hear the dogs is
0: is that a
1: dog or a child or a bird <laughs> it's, it's it's the dogs they bark at the grandfather clock
0: oh, so- oh we we should it's, it's it's o'clock as we're recording that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry oh no that's marvelous
2: <laughs> yes but no packing i i was good at peter was very good at saying oh i'm so busy in the office at the moment i can't possibly be here um, So So
1: we would arrive at post, I would go to the office, uh, and all our heavy baggage and uh, air freight and everything would arrive at the house, and um, Sue would have to unpack it. But uh, as she said, she was an expert, and uh, packing up at the end of uh, a tour as well, I always used to find it was terribly busy in the office again, so... uh, uh, I'm afraid it was left to poor Sue to uh, oversee everyone.
0: It must be uh, the working in the diplomatic service like that. It must be very much kind of a, a partnership of, of a marriage, because you 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 need each other and you have to work with each other to make it work. Because it's it, you know suddenly landing in a in a foreign country and having to you know make the house work, but also integrate with that new new environment. It's 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 a very partnership element. I would have thought.
2: I think it is, and I think that's, uh, I think it does unfortunately have rather a high divorce rate um, because I think there are some people who, uh, well, they they just suddenly find they're thrown together perhaps abroad um, without their usual social circle of friends and support um, and find perhaps that they don't get on quite so well. But um, no, we've been very fortunate. We're still here, we're still together.
0: a bit like lockdown in some ways. I think there's there's a lot of people who are well, going, Gosh, actually it's really rather nice spending time with you and there's other people going, Oh dear God, when will this be over?
2: <laughs> well, I know when Peter retired, um, sorry, this isn't apropos of diplomatic life, but somebody said to me, Oh dear, you know, be very careful because she particularly knew people where the husband's retired and and then the marriage has broken down a few years later and I said, Well, I don't think that'll happen because we've spent a lot of our lives being thrown together and having to get on together because we are you know we know each other best and um, and we're in the new environment so you just forge ahead mm-hmm. as a team
0: i suppose and of, of all those countries that you you went to and i think you know there's spain el salvador venezuela iceland ecuador which one which one would you if you had to go back to one of them which one would you pick
1: I think we'd probably pick the same one um, and go back to Iceland.
0: Yeah, it, was like it wasn't a test to see if you both gave the same <laughs> answer. <laughs>
1: um, I think professionally, um, Iceland, very small country, but extremely professional. Um, their foreign service was exemplary. Um, they were probably the easiest foreign ministry I've ever had to deal with. Um, we had a very small embassy there. Um, but uh, we punched well above our weight, I think. And it was also a wonderful country to live in.
2: Yes, it was, uh, well, so clean. So the people were great. Um, I I loved it because there were not that many diplomatic missions, so there was less necessity to become too involved in embassy-type things. I could do my own thing to a certain extent. Um, and uh, and we seem to have an awful lot of visitors for some reason.
0: And proximity, I would guess. <laughs> yes, yeah.
2: proximity and just and free accommodation of course. And, um, and so I got very good at doing various tours around the area from Reykjavik. Um, and uh, no, it was
1: it was great, beautiful country. just amazing. You were talking about partnership earlier. Um, I think in Iceland we used to get a lot of trade missions coming out from the UK first-time exporters, and we would always throw a cocktail party for them and invite all their contacts to our house. Uh, And obviously that meant a huge amount of work for Sue Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the caterers who came in. If it was during school holidays, we used to uh, involve our boys as well. We used to get one of them to run the bar and one of them to carry food around. Uh, The other
2: trouble is the one who carried the food around, our younger son. I mean, he was great at it because he's a great expert. Well, he's quite precarious. And he'd go around and he'd sample the food. <laughs> and he'd say, look, it's really tasty. Why don't you try? But the nice thing was having the boys doing that. It sort of broke up the atmosphere a bit. People felt more relaxed, I think, when there are children around. It made it more of a sort of family event, even if you had a 100 people, say, in your home, milling around, drinking and eating. But... Um, they were fun
1: occasions. They were fun. And, uh, you know, somewhere like Iceland where you're free to go everywhere. You know, uh, the time we had in El Salvador was during the Civil War. Mm -hmm. I was working in an embassy, which was like a bunker. We didn't have a window in it. Wow. Uh, There were bombs going off. Uh, We had close protection all the time. We had bodyguards. We had razor wire around our house. Uh, I remember James, who's now... Uh, well over 30, um, as a little boy sitting watching the guards as they clean their sterling machine guns.
2: I have to say they were always very careful about him not touching the sterling machine gun, but
1: uh, no, it was... Uh, it... So that was a life where you couldn't do anything spontaneously. Hmm. Thing had to be planned. If you were going out, you needed to make sure you had the right vehicle and the right bodyguard to go with you.
0: Yes. Yeah, life of extremes, really, isn't it? If you're, you know, from a place where you're doing cocktail parties on a regular basis and, and giving guided tours of the city to another one where where you can't even go out for a bottle of milk without machine guns.
3: That's it.
2: Yes, exactly that. I have to say, I think El Salvador was probably the most interesting place we were at. Yes. Simply because of the political situation. But it was uh james as peter mentioned he was only uh oh he was about 18 months when we went out um and the one of the main problems say for me was that um there was little possibility of meeting other children so i had to put him into a little nursery um spanish-speaking nursery um before well when he was only about 22 20 22 months um because that was his only way of meeting other children other you know toddlers um and uh but they were they were very good and the girl i remember who was his class teacher was just lovely as latin people can be uh very tactile um and uh yeah it was it was an extraordinary place you'd hear bombs every now and then going off and then there'd be a power cut because they would blow up another electricity substation um and you'd go oh well it'll be
0: dark again for a little while but um <laughs> Uh, Yeah, you sort of get used to it. It's it's amazing what people can get used to, isn't it? It's what becomes the normal.
2: Yes, yes. And I think the only really worrying time when we were there was on uh, the day of the elections. Uh, I remember Peter and uh, his boss, who was the charge, were going off at about five o'clock in the morning to be sort of um, election monitoring, election monitoring. And, uh, and I remember standing outside because, of course, we've got guards on the house all the time. And um, the, the driver came with uh, Ian, the charge, uh, to pick Peter up. Um, and as we were, I was just wa- about to wave him off, there was a, a radio message came through that a couple of Dutch reporters had been shot and killed in another part of the country. Um, and I remember thinking, well, this is all very bizarre and surreal because here I am waving my husband off, and I wonder whether he'll come home. <laughs> because you know, it, it was the FMLN who were the guerrilla um, uh, the uh, the there. Um, they had called a paro, which is basically a strike, which means that nobody should leave their home, so nobody is really allowed to go and vote. Um, and you take your life into your own hands if you go and vote you could be shot anywhere. Um it was extraordinary. But it was it was fine. We came through
0: it. So so thank you so much for, for coming on the show and sharing such amazing stories. Um I think you've helped us all uh, kind of escape from from the world we're in at the moment. I'm now I'm now worried about bombs. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no bombs on the Roseland.
2: No, I'm worry. sorry, I shouldn't
1: have gone on about
0: El Salvador. But... No, no, no. It's, it's got... well, of course Roseland, there have so. been bombs on the Roseland. If if you, if, if anyone wants to know that story, so you need to go and have a listen to the VE Day episode. Ah, um, uh-huh. yes, indeed. Oh, nice... Who were you interviewing on the VE Day one? So the VE Day one, I was chatting with Peter Teague uh, and Peter yes? Newman. Yeah. So uh, yep. so some great stories in that episode, including yeah, when, sure. when bombs landed on the Roseland. But, uh, but Sue and Peter, thank you so much for coming on. It's been fascinating chatting with you. I really appreciate
1: it. Well, thank you very much, Chloe. Thanks very much, Chloe. Good luck with editing all that little lot. <laughs> thank you.
0: If Peter's voice sounds familiar, he was on the show a few episodes ago talking about National Coast Watch. And if you've got something fascinating to share, then we would love to hear from you. Just drop an email to roseandpodcast at gmail.com with what you'd like to chat about and we'll get you booked in to record your interview. We've got some great interviews coming up over the coming weeks covering topics as diverse as guiding and homeschooling. But Lindsay and I are still on the lookout for more people to interview. So if you would like to come on the show and talk about pretty much anything at all, we are interested. The first easy step is to drop us an email to rosanpodcast at gmail.com with your ideas and any questions you've got. Everything is recorded in advance, nothing goes out live. And you don't even have to be willing to come on the show. If you've got a recipe, poem, story, and you can either record it at home and send us the MP3 file or just email it in and then we could just read it out for you. That's just what Jenny Deal has done with this recipe for chickpea croquettes.
3: One tin of chickpeas drained... Two cloves of garlic crushed, salt and pepper, two tablespoons of chopped parsley, one medium potato cooked and mashed, one tablespoon of soya sauce, a good squeeze of lemon juice and flour for coating. Mash the chickpeas with the garlic and potato, add parsley, soya sauce, lemon juice and seasoning and mix well. Roll the mixture into croquette shapes or round shapes. Depending on what you would like to do, dip them into flour, and fry gently in oil until golden brown. Serve with vegetable of cho- your choice and an onion gravy, and um, potatoes if you want to. They're very tasty and very cheap and nutritious.
0: I hope the podcast is helping us all feel a little less alone and a little more connected to our wonderful community. If you want to make sure you hear the rest of the shows, then bookmark com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your usual podcast app of choice. Be kind and stay safe.